0: We continue our Provoke the Pastor series. This week, Pastor Jim follows up on a previous message on educating your children. He also answers the following congregational questions. Number one, what doctrines are essential? Number two, why has God allowed such confusion in the church? Number three, should we stand up and speak the truth to our employers and the culture? Number four, how do I know whether or not I am saved? Number five, does the Holy Spirit interact with the believer beyond revealing scripture? Please listen to today's portion of this week's message entitled, You Asked For It. Good works do not contribute towards salvation. Good works are done out of gratitude for the salvation that God has given to us. People who don't know Christ can do relatively good things. They can do things of of great generosity and and compassion and kindness, but that does not bring salvation. Only the finished work of Christ does. There is no sacrament, there is no ceremony that brings salvation. The one and only mediator between God and man is the man Christ Jesus, and that's from 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Another one very important the sinfulness of all people and that includes our inability to save ourselves or to contribute to our salvation the gospel is the good news right well the good news doesn't have a framework for good unless you understand the bad news that God is your creator God is your is your lord he is your master he's your judge he's the one to whom you're accountable and you're alienated from him that's the bad news the good news, how can I be reconciled? Only by what He did. So, another essential doctrine is some some way of describing divine judgment. God will administer judgment with perfect justice and absolute consistency and fairness. And you're not going to come out well unless you're in Christ, because you will be judged for all that you have done. And that, you might roll that in with that, the consummation of all things through Jesus Christ, understanding that the universe has a beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it has an end. Read the whole book. It ends with the new heaven and the new earth. And Jesus comes again, and he brings the kingdom of God to earth. Now, people can debate if this little list is exactly right totally up to me i would add more to it um, but i share that much just to make the point it isn't all that difficult to know if a church is really a church if it is legitimate there are many other doctrines about which christians who believe all of these things might might differ a little bit and still preach the one true gospel there are different ways that churches can be organized people wrangle over God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, but they still preach the only gospel. Christ is the only gospel, the only way. Um, There's issues of angels and demons. There's the sequence of the fulfillment of prophetic events. There's the significance and the mode and the timing of baptism. A lot of people who preach the true gospel may have some different convictions about that. But it's not that hard to eliminate the ones that you don't want to be part of. Now, the other part of the question, why has God allowed such confusion to exist? And I thought of a couple of different nuances to the answer to that question. One is when you ask, why does God, that's almost always a question you're not going to have an answer to. It has to be in His Word, or the correct answer is God doesn't say, and that's okay. We we trust Him. Why has He allowed that much confusion? Well, As I say, it isn't really all that much confusion when you get down to what he does say in his word. And when you think about these essential doctrines, there's a lot more unity and a lot more agreement than people recognize. And then the other thing I would point out, there is a bit of a question or a bit bit of an answer to the question, why does God allow this? Satan is the source of it. Satan hates God. He hates God's word. He hates God's church. He hates God's people. So he does everything he can to sow as much discord as he can. And you need to sort that out and decide where you're going to commit. I might add that one other mark of, a, of valid churches is recognizing that there are other valid churches, that the body of Christ is not limited to only those with our brand name, to only those who uh, agree with uh, every one of our secondary and tertiary doctrines, Um, the body of Christ. There are lots of people who preach Christ. There are lots of people who preach Christ, and and I probably wouldn't join their church. But if you go and say, I am afraid I'm going to hell, how can I be saved? You're going to get the right answer. That is a church when you get that answer. All right, let's go to another one very quickly. Um, Amos 5.13 says... Therefore, at such a time the prudent person keeps silent, for it is an evil time. Question, is this the time to be quiet with people losing their livelihoods and such, or do we get louder and let the chips fall where they might? So there's two levels of the answer to this question. The first one is, let's be careful to interpret Scripture in its context. Amos is not written (laughs) to the church, the body of Christ. Amos... Uh, was God's spokesman to warn Israel and Judah of judgment that was coming upon them exactly as promised and guaranteed by God. They had abandoned pure worship, and even though they were enjoying a time of relative peace and prosperity, uh, the judgment of the Babylonian captivity was headed their way, and Amos was raised up to warn them. So, as we look at this in its context, it's referring to the time leading up to when God does fulfill His promise to judge and chasten His people. And the message is, when it says a prudent person keeps silent, you don't argue against the hand of God, even when He brings judgment. That's the point of that. Um, and it sounds to me like the person was asking, and I think they were, if we should, like we said about public education, should we speak up in public in our situation? Well, the answers. Yes, there's no limitation on when to speak truth in love, but uh, we always must uh, preach the gospel. We always must worship in spirit and in truth. But as we live in this world and we live wisely and prudently while we're in the midst of a crumbling society, there's nothing to be gained by provoking confrontations. Okay? You don't have to go try to give your employer a reason to fire you. Um, for, you know, and and say that I was persecuted for doing that. So, when there's an opportunity to speak the truth, speak it. Opportunity to share the gospel, preach it. Um, And we can always tell the good news about salvation in Jesus Christ, and therefore we should whenever we can. But remember, we're not called to save a culture or to save a nation. God is the one who determines the times and the boundaries of nations and cultures and the like. We are called in whatever nation, culture, time, language, family, city we're in, we are called to be witnesses to the truth of the gospel. And we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God, which transcends those times and cultures, etc. All right, here's another one that um, um, I wanted to not completely skip. The question is... Can you go through the sanctification process and how to resolve doubt of salvation that might present itself from time to time? Well, that is worth at least an entire sermon. And the good news is, last year, provoked the Pastor season, I devoted an entire message to this, and I commend it to you. You will find it in our online sermon library. If you watch the video version, you'll discover I'm dressed respectfully, respectfully. it's at hbc-boise.org. The date is August 29th, 2021, and the title is subtly, How Can I Know I'm Saved? You will find that it's basically dealt with by asking and answering two questions. What do you believe, and how are you living? The first question is to get your eyes off of yourself and your feelings and get them on to uh, Scripture. And if you're basing your confidence in how you feel and you're you're seeking a feeling or an experience that you associate with a time when you thought you were really making it uh, spiritually, you're on the wrong track, okay? It's not based on feelings. It's based on the truth of God's Word. The second question, how are you living, is to get you to consider how you're reacting to your sin compared to how you are reacting to your Lord. And if there's a pattern of sin in your life that you're ignoring, that's probably the reason for um, the doubting. You're going to always battle sin, but it's what you do in the midst of the battle that determines your progress in sanctification. Do you love your Savior and hate your sin, or do you love your sin and don't want anything to do with your Savior at the moment? And I would also commend to you a a little 31-day series of devotions entitled, Assurance, Resting in God's Salvation, and I brought one for show and tell, okay? I do not have one for everybody. Um, I, I do commend it to you. Assurance, Resting in God's Salvation by William P. Smith. It's well worth studying. It's well worth reviewing as often as you find yourself doubting or questioning salvation. And one of the things I like about this, uh, but generally I like about it because it's, it's very biblical. It takes you into the Scriptures. But the other thing I like about this is that it's designed to be a 31-day study because what you will find is over any 31-day period, you're going to have emotional ups and downs. You're going to have good days and bad days. The consistency of focusing on the essence of your salvation 31 days in a row, getting your eyes off of yourself and on to the Lord is... a is a very good thing um, to do. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.